0: Welcome into Blackhawks Insider, the official podcast of the Chicago Blackhawks presented by ChevyDriveChicago.com drive what Kane and Taves drive. I'm Carter Bauman. coming up on this week's episode, the Blackhawks are nearly at the halfway point of a seven-game homestand and fresh off the first win of the year. And Friday is the first of the 2010 anniversary nights coming up this season. Two-time cup champion Dave Boland will be honored with one more shift, and Boley himself joins Adam Burrish to discuss the honor and talk about his career. All that and more coming up on Blackhawks Insider, presented by your Chicagoland and Northwest Indiana Chevy dealers. It's all about the drive.
1: Hey, it's Adam Burrish. On the road to the top, it's all about drive. The all-new Chevy Blazers got some serious game with available driver control mode. Shift from touring to all-wheel drive, to sport, to tow and haul, this ride is built for Chicago weather. Yeah, on and off the ice. Turn your Blazer into a mobile hotspot with available 4G LTE Wi-Fi, keeping you connected 24-7. Check out the all-new Chevy Blazer at ChevyDrivesChicago.com. Drive. It's how you get where you're going.
0: This is Blackhawks Insider Carter Baum joined by Adam Burrish and Chris Cook. We're going to get to the seven-game homestand, and we're about the halfway point of that and kind of what you guys are seeing through these first couple games. But first, I want to read a note. We had uh, a contest last week when we talked to Eddie Olchek about his book. Share your favorite Eddie memory, your favorite story, what you really like about Eddie Olchek, and we have a signed copy of his book to give away. And I want to read the response from uh, Alec McKenna, who is going to be our winner of a signed Eddie Olchek book, uh, I just wanted to read his uh, his email real quick and kind of get your thoughts because I think this is a, a perfect summation of who Eddie is as a person. Uh, Alec writes. I'd love to win this giveaway because I look up to Eddie Oldchuck as a man. I used to be a fan of Edzo as an athlete when I was a young hockey fan in the nineties, as Eddie opened up and shared more of his life and personality with the great city of Chicago. I began to admire him for the person he is and the way that he presents himself. He's genuine in nature and the way he treats others around him truly sets him apart. He's so much more than an athlete, especially for the people of Chicago and, uh, Chris, I think just in your conversation, you mentioned last week that the book had you laughing. It had you crying uh, and you really get to know who Eddie Olchek is as a person.
2: I think the key word in there that he used was genuine. There's nobody more genuine than Eddie Olchak, right? I mean, this is a guy, he looks you right in the eye. He says what he thinks, but he's, he's funny. He's introspective. Uh, I, I really believe this book was cathartic, not only for him, but to also uh, maybe guide some other people into thinking about their future and their lives and maybe go ahead and take that test. Mm. And, I, you know, I think it's really encouraging uh, what he's done there. And it's, the book is full of some great stories of hockey, but really the stories about his life and the people who helped him along the way during his illness and even before that was really kind of uh, touching to me. And, yeah, he's a genuine kind of guy, and uh, congratulations to our winner.
1: I, I would say for me as as a player and now working – with him at times in broadcasting, when he walks into a room of hockey players, there's not one guy, and this is rare when a media guy walks into a room and every guy in the room looks at him and wants to talk to him or hopes that Eddie Olchek comes and talks to you. Uh, a lot of times you're like, man, that reporter's a dick. Uh, he writes mean things about me. Chris and I used to be. I'm that guy now. It's rare. And when I played, anytime Eddie walked into a room, All the players stare at him and when he comes and talks to you you can see a guy kind of light up and he makes you feel special and he makes you feel important and um i think if you look at what he's done now after hockey might be more impressive than what he did on the ice uh he's incredible at what he does he's the best in the game at what he does right now and the respect that he has amongst players, amongst broadcasters, amongst management. It's probably second to none in the game right now, um, but I'm with you, Chris. The way he treats people, that that genuine Eddie Olchek, it's a special quality that not many people have, and he does.
0: Well, we're going to get, uh, fittingly, a lot more Eddie Olchek over the next week with the annual Hockey Fights Cancer game coming up on October 27th as the LA Kings visit the United Center. Uh, plenty more coverage of Eddie not really from a book standpoint, but from an Eddie, the person and the battle he's gone through. And of course, everyone roots for him and everything that he does and uh, just the awareness that he brings. But the Blackhawks are three games into their seven-game homestand to really open up their home account here, coming back from abroad. Uh, fresh off their first win, a 3-1 win over the Edmonton Oilers. Uh, gentlemen, I just want to get your, your opening thoughts on these first four games. It seemed like uh, the panic button was uh, was about to be hit hmm. by a lot of people in the fan base, and slowly but surely, we're seeing I think a little more from this team as each game goes along, and really the identity of what this team is going to become with so many newcomers, a couple different you know line changes, Jeremy Colleton tweaking what he wants to do. Uh, you know, it's not the, maybe the prettiest to start the year, but progress is being made. I think from game to game, kind of have some
2: patience here, right? Everyone wants to see him win some games, win all seven of these games at home, and. You know, really rack up some points, but this is a team that a lot of newcomers, right? Even so much, almost the coach because he wasn't there full season last year. You got to bring all these guys, getting them down on the same page. I I think I was very encouraged by the game the other night uh, against the Oilers. Uh, they really dominated that game, especially the second period. We talked about that, how those first three games, they were awful in the second periods and they gave those games away. But they really came on. They took it to the Oilers. Uh, they controlled the puck. They were physical. Uh, Corey Crawford was very good in goal. That's type of 60-minute effort, as Jeremy Collins said, almost 60 because they gave up one goal. But an almost 60-minute effort that they really needed. Very, very encouraging moving forward, knowing that you've got that in you. And Jeremy Collins, once he gets these lines established and the defensive pairings kind of solidify, I think this will be a team that can really pile up some points here.
1: For me, it was this Edmonton game um, may have the potential to open something up for this team and spark this team. We talked about it on TV after the Edmonton game, but when you think back at teams that are really good and win, think about er athletes in general. Golfers take, for example, where you find something in your swing. Something clicks, and all of a sudden one day, all right, I got to do this, and now all of a sudden you start hitting the fairway every time. Something clicks for athletes. It's the same with a team. You sometimes need a game or a period, like, oh, this is how we've got to play. Here's our formula. I think back to the 2010 season, that Calgary Flames game, where Mm -hmm. we're down 5-0, we come back and win 6-5. That was the springboard. That woke us all up. All right, well, guess what? We can score in bunches. If we just defend a little better, and Quinville kept telling us, check first, defend first, we'll be able to beat anybody. And that was the aha moment for us. For me in this Edmonton game, When Andrew Shaw went behind that net and just plastered that Edmonton defenseman, that woke everybody up. The older guys have been crying to get a guy like Andrew Shaw on this team, somebody that's physical, in your face, drag him into a fight. When Andrew Shaw does that in a game, what that does is that puts everybody on alert. It puts guys on. It makes guys on the Blackhawks uncomfortable because now it's like, holy crap, Edmonton's going to retaliate. Who are they mm-hmm. going to go after? They're going to go after. So I got to be on. I got to move the puck faster. I got to skate faster. Once that hit happened, I, I don't know how you guys felt, but that game got physical. It did, yeah. But that's what they wanted. I mean, uh, Stan Moment talked about it. Jeremy Collison talked
2: about it today after practicing. We wanted to get tougher, right? We wanted yeah. to let teams know that we're going to punch you in the mouth, sometimes literally, but mostly figuratively, when you come into our barn. And that's something that really lacked on this team the last couple of seasons. We saw that it didn't really carry over into a postseason berth. So it's not about fighting, but it's, it's about playing, being hard to play against and teams knowing that, okay, if you go behind the net, somebody's going to hammer you. Yeah. And, and, that, and if you're doing that, then you're not. maybe you just t- take that split second to yep. think and then the puck is gone and the Blackhawks have it going the and, other way. And we
1: haven't seen that, uh, certainly in the first three games of this season, probably not most of the season last year, that – they haven't found that formula and all of a sudden you come in against an Edmonton team, maybe the hottest team in the league at the at that point, undefeated, and you smack him in the mouth, your physical you defend well. How many times did we see the Blackhawks forward chip pucks in and go and get them rather than trying to circle back or be this you know, Blackhawks 2013 or 15 or 10 team where you could be puck possession? I'm sorry. I don't think this is a puck possession team anymore. This is going to have to be a grind it out, win 2-1, to one, win 3-1, to 4-check hard, get rid of the puck, and then have to go and get it. They're not used to that, but hopefully this game springboards them so this is how we play. We're going to play defense really good, really good neutral zone, then we got to forecheck and bang some bodies, and we can win a lot of games.
0: In terms of banging bodies, Burr, I want to get your thoughts on this stat. Since the start of the 2011-2012 season, I believe that's six years, seven years now, uh, eight years now, my math's going off on me, the Blackhawks have recorded 36 hit, 36 hits three times. Two of those have come in the last two games. Yeah. They've already matched their total of 29-plus hit games in a season – that they had last year. They did it four times last year. They've done it in all four games so far this year. What is different about this team and just how they like to play. Not only I think Jeremy Carlton said like you like you mentioned Cook throwing the body around but doing it in the right manner. You're not going out and just head hunting. Yeah. You're doing it in the right manner to win pucks back to to bring that physicality and up up the tempo
1: of the game. Well, I think and you know go back just to last year they didn't have we didn't have a guy here that did that. We didn't have Andrew Shaw. Um, Chris you covered the Capitals we didn't have a Tom Wilson kind of yeah. guy so nobody really had that feeling of what's this going to feel like or who's going to go out and start this who's going to start this fire who's going to make a mess out there today and then wake us all up a little bit so yeah last year I remember games there were seven eight hits uh, at the end of a game and, and people want to talk well that means you don't have the puck I don't buy that as much I, I get the thinking Um, back in the Stanley Cup teams that were here, yeah, we had the puck a lot because there was a different roster of guys. That roster of guys isn't here anymore. uh, So it needs to be physical and, and to go back to the Washington Capitals, the St. Louis Blues, the Boston Bruins, these last kind of teams in the finals, the Vegas Golden Knights, the last four teams that have been in the finals, nasty, mean, physical teams. It's not circle, swing around. They're finishing every single hit your first line, your fourth line guys are. And that game against Edmonton, that was the style of game that wins championships. And I I think they just needed that feeling of what this feels like to do it. Shaw brought that. And Colleton mentioned afterwards, you bring that physicality.
0: When you're going in on the forecheck, if you can force the defenseman to make a pass a half second earlier, force a mistake there, when the game is being played like that at that level... How much does that change, and how much does that open things up just because the other team's thinking
1: about it? Oh, I'm about to have to take a hit to make a play here. It's both teams. You have to play faster now because, you know, if Andrew Shaw goes and takes a run at some guy, like I said – Edmonton's going to take a run at a couple Blackhawks defensemen. So now if I'm a defenseman or a forward for the Blackhawks, I got to play fast now. I got to have my head on a swivel. I got to make a great play and I got to make it fast because somebody's going to tattoo me. Uh, Same thing for Edmonton. So it just ups the level of game out there. It ups the speed of what's going on out there. Uh, That's why the Stanley Cup, the playoffs, everybody's like, well, why does it get so much faster? Well, now you're, Your first-line guys are are finishing hits, too, and they're playing a second faster because they know somebody's going to try and pop their head off. Um, But you need guys to drag you into that, and you need somebody in Game 3, in Game 5, in Game 52 to drag you into that fight. And They haven't had that. They had it the last game, but that's where the difference comes. Once a big hit happens in any game, watch what happens to the pace of the play and and the physical. All it takes is one hit to wake everyone up.
0: The other thing coming out of that game was in the first three games, uh, Jeremy Carlton mentioned it. The players mentioned it. They seem to just disappear in the second period. Mm-hmm. The second period was just a nightmare, not only against the Flyers in, in Prague, but coming back here for the first two games at the United Center. In that Oilers game, they outshot the Oilers 17-6 in the second period, and I think it was probably 17-2 to two or 3 until the final two to three minutes of that period. An absolute dominant period uh, from the Blackhawks there. What mentality does it take, to come out in that second period and just dominate a period like that, especially going in knowing that that's kind of your, been your Achilles heel where you've maybe disappeared. What has to happen in that locker room to not only spurn that change, but make sure it happens going forward?
1: Uh, it, it just takes, I think, somebody getting out of their comfort zone or somebody making a big play. You hear about it in in, in football on Sundays. Uh, who's going to make a big play? Who's going to make that big catch? Uh, in hockey, who's going to score a big goal? Who's going to make a big hit? Um, somebody has to step up and make a play and, and not be afraid to step outside of their comfort zone and um, you know I gotta I keep beating it down, but Andrew Shaw opened everybody's eyes up. Andrew Shaw blew that game wide open with some physical play and it's also you know being aware of it. and I think Jeremy did a good job of making this team aware of it. Our second periods have sucked. We got to be better. Um, and I don't know, Chris, you you're, you you talked to the, the coaching staff or you're in those meetings or in the locker room more than I am, but it, it, it seemed to me at least like this was it had been talked about for three or four or five days.
2: Yeah, we talked to Connor Murphy after the game and he said, Yeah, uh, Coach Calvin sat us down and I think they showed video of those second, some second periods when they were successful. Here's uh-huh. what we were doing. When we were playing in the second period and doing well. And then Jeremy Calvin said, the Second period's the biggest period of the game, really, if you think about it. I mean, certainly, momentum shift throughout the game, but if you come out flat in that second period and you're on your heels, then you're just playing catch up. The entire game that's what happened in the Blackhawks the first three games so yeah they came out you mentioned they hit but I thought they moved the puck very well yeah. Corey Crawford made it some big saves which has got to be huge for them you know we didn't know who's going to start that game was going to be Leonard because he played so well the game before or Corey Crawford But when Crawford's stopping breakaways you're going the other way with some speed that really is a big difference and yeah that second period you talk about looking back at a turning point maybe as far as the early on in the season they're gonna look back at that second period against the Orioles and go okay that was it that's when we played really well
0: yeah we mentioned Andrew Shaw we've talked about him Quite a lot. And he's he's almost got the cult following within the Blackhawks mm-hmm. fan base from his first stint here. Another one of the guys who has that, Dave Boland. And he's going to be honored with one more shift uh, on Friday night as the team has the first of their 2010 anniversary uh, nights here at the United Center. Uh, it's it's going to be a great affair. There's a big atrium event, a q and I think you're hosting with uh, Bully. Sharp is. Sharp is hosting with Yeah, we, with we guys
1: wanted to get, the Hawks wanted to get a better looking host up That's there. That's okay. So we went with the pretty Maybe, boy. maybe
0: next time. Yeah. But, uh, you talked to him just a little bit ago, uh, Burr, we'll play that interview in just a minute. But what does a guy like Dave Bolin bring to the team? And just how important was he, not only in 2010, but throughout his time in Chicago? He has that following of, you know, people love him despite maybe not being the big playmaker like Patrick
1: Kane and Jonathan Taze, but people love him. Yeah. He just had a, uh, no BS kind of attitude. He just went out there and he did his job and he had a little chip on his shoulder and, uh, he didn't take crap from anybody. Uh, he played bigger, uh, than his, you know, stat sheet read, and he was probably 170 pounds, you know, skinny little ratty looking guy off the ice. And then he got on the ice and he just played big and tough. And and mean and confident, and I think he gave his teammates, he gave us confidence. Um, he, he, he wasn't loud, he didn't talk a lot, um, but he had a cockiness about him in, in the best way, and, and every time he was on the ice, he had really high skill level, too, that was probably underappreciated, um, but he just had a swagger about him that I think Chicago people kind of liked, that he would go out there and he'd stick anybody in the face that was 6'10 or or 5'10. He just didn't give a crap. And he went out there and he did his job, and, and he uh, he inspired a lot of us with the way that he played. And Cook, is someone who covered him for
0: so many years from the outside, what— what was it like working with uh, a guy like Dave Boland?
2: Uh, you know, one of my favorite guys to cover. You know, yeah. I used to just from his great quotes in the locker room, too. But I used to watch him. I was ta- when you were talking, uh, Burrow, I was thinking those games against the Canucks, those playoffs yep. against the Canucks. He would get under the Sedin's skin, right? I used to watch him away from the puck, and even when he was changing you know a line yeah. change he would skate by a guy and just give him a little tap on the ankle with a stick just as he went by yep. and the guy would look back and oh that's that Boland again and yep. it just kind of got into their skin a little bit uh but a great guy in the room as well I know the players loved him they nicknamed the rat because he did those little things really yeah. that got on an opponent's skin and that's all it takes sometimes right just yeah. you know make a guy draw a penalty you know make a guy look over his shoulder and uh, Boland had that and uh, just a, a great character
1: If I can add one thing that I'll always remember about uh, Dave Bowen, it's got nothing to do with hockey, but after practice, and and Chris, you can attest to this, but after a game or after practice, I never played with a guy that was out of the rink faster than Dave. There would be times when we'd be getting done with the game and we wouldn't even have our skates off yet, and we'd be looking and Dave would pop his head and say, see you guys tomorrow, see you at practice tomorrow. He was out of the rink so fast after a game. I don't know what the hell he was going to do or where he had to be, but if you were a reporter and you didn't get in there the second after the game, then good good luck getting a hold of that guy because he him, was yeah.
2: gone. I asked him about that one time because we used to walk in the room, wait to get in the room, and he'd be walking out dressed already. The yeah. you know, guys are in there taking their skates off. And I, I saw him once. He, he literally – I don't know if you talk about this, but in his stall, he had his, his dress shirt buttoned and his tie already on it. And he would just pull it over like a sweater and have it on there. And he put his jacket on and he was gone. Yeah. And you just look at well, they talked to Boland. Well, he's right in the bus. Sorry. Yeah,
1: yeah. He'd be like, well, what, what, what are we hanging out? We've been here all day, guys. Like, yeah. let's get out of here. It's time to go. Game's over. All right. Well, he put up 130 points
0: his last year in juniors, but played a very different role here. Uh, Burr, you chat with him a little bit about that. And without further ado, here's Dave Boland. All right, we're here
1: with my old buddy Dave Boland, the rat of all rats. And we've got you on here today, Bully, uh, for a lot of reasons um, as our special guest. But the main reason is this Friday, the Blackhawks have chosen you to have one more shift where you'll skate on the ice before the game and and have one more shift as a Chicago Blackhawk. Uh, how did that phone call go when you got that? And, and what have your kind of emotions been like?
3: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It was a great phone call. I know to come back to Chicago and to uh, to be back with those fans and back in the Madhouse, uh, United Center. Uh, just to hear those fans will be crazy. It'll be unbelievable. But uh, getting the phone call was, was great. And then uh, still hearing about it and coming up to the day, uh, kind of getting a little nervous because I haven't came out into a crowd in a while. So uh, normally I come out to uh, a few buddies on the ice. And if you fall, it's not a big deal. But... Uh, yeah, it's gonna be fun. I'm excited for it, and it's gonna
1: be a good night. It's our 10 year reunion of our 2010 Stanley Cup Championship team. And you think about one last shift, we've seen Eddie Olchek do it, we've seen Jeremy Roenick do it. Um, we, we saw uh, uh, Bobby Hall, we've seen Dennis Savard out there. Does that make us old now, Bully?
3: Yeah, I know that's the problem. I think <laughs> I'm 33, you're 35, right? Yeah, 36. Like, I, 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 like, I remember when we came into the league, it was all older guys. Like We had guys that were yeah in their late 30s, and uh, we were the young guys. But uh, the teams these days, they don't have anybody that's over the age of, uh, of 33, I think, or 34. So uh, I, I feel like an older guy, but I still think I'm young at heart. You so. still
1: look young, too, boy.
3: Yeah, <laughs> when you think
1: back uh to that 2010 Stanley Cup uh sitting around now uh when you when I say the 2010 Stanley Cup team what what pops into your head right away what do you think of most
3: Uh just how tight the team was how how great we were um I think we we were tight knit great um we did everything together we were always around uh that was the that was the coolest thing that, uh to be a part of I know I played on a Memorial Cup team, and we were kind of tight, but I thought uh, our team here in Chicago in 2010, we were so tight. It was it was just a great group of guys you always wanted to be around with. To so go out for dinner or for a few beers, uh, it was always great.
1: It was, I think for me, and, and you can talk about it, but it's we come back for the Blackhawks convention, or we pop up into the office here at the United Center or down by the dressing room, and we may not see – Brent Sopel for a year or two years or we may not see you may not have seen Colin Frazier in a year or two but it feels like you you pick back up with those guys right where you left off the jokes still stay the same um is that how it feels for you a bit too
3: yeah uh for sure whenever I see any of the guys it's, it's an easy uh it's an easy introduction you, you know what you guys went through in the battle and and how far and how long it took and just from the time we were all done we were had ice bags and guys had broken arms and like think Kaiser had an ACL problem. Uh, you you can tell that like things just ha- things just work up right away and you you start hitting it up and you tell jokes and you tell stories about 2010 and uh, it's an easy easy conversation.
1: So since um, you sort of retired, uh, you were living in Florida for a long time and. You were with the Florida Panthers, then you were with the Phoenix, Arizona Coyotes. Uh, w- explain what's been going on the last three years. You had to retire because of injuries. Can you talk us through what that was, what your injury was, and then um, where you've been living and kind of what you've been up to the last three years?
3: Uh, yeah, yeah. The uh, last three years, I've been on uh, long-term IR. Uh, I signed that contract in, uh, in Florida for five years, and about a year and a half yeah <laughs> yeah uh, so uh so uh after that uh, i played about a year and a half and uh, my ankle and my back were declining uh i always had back problems uh the ankle was that injury i had in toronto where i had my uh, tendon cut right off and i had to trip back together um so i played a few games in my second year in florida and things just weren't right i was a step behind everybody i was I worked out hard that summer because I knew it was going to be big and just it, everything just didn't come into to effect. Uh, I went down to the minors, played in the minors for a little bit, and I was even a step behind down there. So uh, I was just wondering, I was it, it, it's more of a head, screw with my head than everything because I wanted to play. I was only 29. Uh, I was still ready to play. Uh, my body was still good except for my, my ankle and my back. Um, so I had to... Go on long term IR and go through the process of of all that. Uh, But in the meantime, uh, I was living down in Florida. My handicap got a little lower. Uh, The golf game pretty good now. (laughs) Yeah. So I had a buddy. It was just me and a buddy in um, in my neighborhood uh, that uh, we'd go golfing every basically every day uh, and enjoy. So it was good. Uh, when I was still getting paid. I'm not getting paid now, so I need to find a job. Well, oh, that's so. all
1: over now. Uh, huh? Paychecks are done. Yeah, it's all done.
3: It's all done. It's not, this is my last year, so it's all done.
1: Uh-oh. Time to get in the real world now. I have heard I know, right? you're going to be back in Chicago a little more now, doing some things with the organization here in Chicago. Um, I know we talked a little bit this summer. You were excited about that. What What is it about Chicago? We've seen more and more guys that have, that have won Stanley Cups here, and myself included, that you like to be back in Chicago. For you, you're living in London, Ontario right now. You got out of the warm in Florida. You're back in London. Um, What is it about Chicago? What do you love so much about uh, being in Chicago and being around uh, this organization in particular?
3: Uh, Well, I think this organization is a lot different from other organizations and how they treat their alumni. Uh, I know there's probably a few other teams that do, but I feel that Chicago is is, is great with helping out their alumni and and doing whatever they, they, they can to help them out. Because um, I know there's guys on other teams that things don't go there. They, they don't do much things with the team, or the team doesn't do much things with them. And uh, you kind of hear about it. You kinda get talk, talk about it kind of gets talked about around uh, the league. so uh, But Chicago, I think it's just coming back to the people, the fans, uh, the food. Uh, you can't go wrong with mm. with the food in Chicago. So, uh yeah it's uh there's just the whole thing around chicago and i just love chicago i was i remember i was hoping to be there um for my whole career when i was in after that 2010 and
1: me too uh
3: but i got traded yeah right so but uh it's a business you get traded and that's the way it goes uh, i went on and did my thing but uh i want to come back and help out the the hawks they were great to me and the fans were great to me while we were there, so I'd love to come back and help out any way I can to uh, help the game or to the fans.
1: During that 2010 season, people remember they remember you as being that rat down the stretch and getting under guys' skin and being hard to play against. Who in in that year, the couple years leading up to that, who was the, the one team um, or the one guy that really – you enjoyed bothering so much. You know, you think of the Sedines, you think about Kessler, Um, the list goes on. You think about Joe Thornton in San Jose, um, during the conference finals. But was there one guy or one team that every game we played you were like, I am gonna destroy these guys?
3: Uh I probably must have been the Sedins. I mean we had such a rivalry with them and, and I thought it was fun as well. Like you'd get on one of them and the other one would I don't know, would come by sometimes, but I know, uh, I know, Kessler and uh, O'Brien and those guys would go crazy and they'd want to rip my head off and they probably they probably would have uh, when I was playing. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like I think just our rivalry with with Vancouver you can you can say the same thing. Like it's it was unbelievable. It was I'd like like I remember going into those games and just getting ready for it and be ready for it. And, but then you go and play like. Minnesota and you're like, Okay, it's another game. Yeah, uh, here it goes. But like Vancouver was just one of those you were jacked. Like I was ready since the like, the day the night before eat my pregame game meal that, that Vancouver was coming in and the Sedin twins were coming in and I was gonna get under this skin and cause havoc.
1: Were you ever scared when you played? You know, you weren't a big guy, I wasn't a I wasn't a big guy either and you go on the ice and you're going against big guys you're going against guys that are double your size have a hundred pounds on you we don't have to play anymore so you know we don't have to be tough but were you scared were there nights that you went out there and knew you were going to have to do this and you're like oh crap uh this might get tough uh,
3: I was never scared I was I always had my head on a swivel I think I always knew that someone's gonna jump me and something could go wrong here but uh I don't know. I always had a stick in my hand, make nice cross-check if they're coming at you they can't get to you. But, uh, yeah, like I don't think I was ever scared, but I always made sure uh, if someone was coming after me that uh, I always had a little head on... I was always looking both ways and seeing who was coming.
1: You were too crazy to be scared, I think.
3: <laughs> I mean, probably.
1: So when you skate on the ice here coming Friday, uh, do you have what kind of emotions do you think you'll be feeling uh, when you skate onto the ice for the first time, really since uh, as a Blackhawk since
3: 2010? Uh, no, I'm pretty sure there'll be a lot of emotions. Uh, everything will really be going through my mind. I think once you go on that ice and hearing the fans yell and scream and and going through uh, playing there and hearing the national anthem, getting goosebumps and. Uh, there'll be tons of emotions going through my head and through me I'm pretty sure but uh, it'll just be great to, to get back on the ice and to do it for one last time
1: you'll have a big crew of people coming in I know on Friday uh, just to finish here with your time here in Chicago and winning a Stanley Cup what 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 are you most proud of uh, that you accomplished here as a Chicago Blackhawk
3: um, I think for me well not one is, is winning the Stanley Cup for sure that's the top one but I think uh, connecting with the fans and connecting with the people in Chicago. Uh, I, I made a lot of friends there, and uh, I still keep in contact with all the people that I met there. And So I think just being in Chicago and winning the Stanley Cup was one, but also the fans, uh, connecting with them, and always having a great time with them was an uh, accomplishment as well.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks for doing that. I can't wait to see you Friday. One of my favorite teammates of all time, Dave the Rat Boland. One more <laughs> shift, Friday, Bully. Don't fall. Uh, maybe maybe you can – will you stick somebody maybe on the other team when you stick when you're talking to the trash? I might – yeah, I know. I might trip yeah, no,
3: the goalie on the way home. But really getting really get started early.
1: Perfect. Pumped to see you Friday. Thanks for doing this, Bowley. One of the greatest Blackhawk rat centermen of all time. Thanks, Bully.
3: <laughs> Thanks, Burr. That was awesome.
1: That will do it for this week's
0: episode. A special thank you to Dave Boland for joining us. You can get the full details of Friday's 2010 celebration at blackhawks.com slash 2010. For Chris Cook and Adam Burrish, I'm Carter Baum. We'll see you next time on Blackhawks Insider, presented by Chevy Drive Chicago. Drive what Kane and Taves drive.
1: It is Lucic back to Ference with 70 seconds separating these teams from another overtime. Hasn't happened yet, though. Here's one thrown by Pro League that's blocked away by Raz.